You know, in the beginning of uh, 1 Samuel, this woman, Hannah, she had trusted that God would provide her a child who's had to pray these kind of prayers. God, give me a child. I don't know if any mother in here can relate to that. And um, she had a person in her life that was trying to steer her away from trusting in God. You know, at a time in her life when people were turning to other gods, she was committed to the God of the universe answering. And Hannah made a vow to the Lord dedicating this future child, this child that had not even been born yet. God, if you just give me a child, he is completely yours. And today what we're going to do is we are going to read about Hannah's prayer to God. Now, as we get into the scripture this morning, have you ever been so deep in prayer and you didn't even realize someone has walked in on you and overheard your prayer? And I can only imagine how you might have gotten startled, but, you know, when we believe we are alone in prayer, we can avoid the consciousness of even worrying who hears us, right? And in fact, in Hannah's issue when she entered the temple, she had been in such deep anguish over these arguments with this woman named Penina that people are often let it affect their faith deeply, and it does affect how they pray. But the difference is with Hannah. She allowed that conflict in her life to pursue the Lord even more. And I think that's something significant that we can learn here this morning, that when conflict arises, do you run to the altar in prayer? Or do you recoil? Do you look to the world? So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 20. It says, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded? Throw away your wine. No, oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat, and she was no longer sad. Who says amen to that? The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. When they returned home to Ramah, when uh, Elkna slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for motherly examples like Hannah, who God, the outside voices did not deter her from pursuing you. And God, may we be the same in prayer. That Lord, when conflict arises, when consequences uh, for, for what people have done to us, uh, we, we have to face those things. God, may that just drive us closer to you. 
I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I looked at this story this morning, there are three things that I feel we can learn from this encounter that Hannah had with Eli and how she approached God in prayer. And the first is that Eli was acting in this priestly manner and he saw something that he didn't like in his temple. And that was because that there was this purpose for the temple, but also there was, there was some unwritten rules about being in the temple. You guys know a little bit about unwritten rules, don't you? You find that in your workplaces. You might find that in your schools. You can find that in your church. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, there are people doing these things in the church, and I think we should put up a sign. I said, there's something I have learned about signs in a church. Sign begets signs, begets signs, begets signs. We don't need more signs. That's not something we need. But the purpose of the church is to hold each other accountable in drawing closer to the Lord. Amen? That's the ultimate goal. And so Eli, he had seen a behavior that he deemed not welcome in the temple. Because as far as he's concerned, he's looking at this woman, she's looks a little bit off her rocker. Um, he, he, he sees her, and she's doing things that are not normal in the temple. And so he thought she was drunk. Now, I must say, God is always present with us, but yet there is this expected behavior when we go before the Lord. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we are a temple... Of the Holy Spirit. So, in order for us to commune with God, it shouldn't be just reserved for us now that Jesus Christ has come, that, that we should act a certain way when we go into the temple, but when we go to church, when we go to work, when we go home, wherever we go, we are carrying God with us. Yes, there should be expectations on how we enter the church. Yes, there should be expectations on how we approach God. But we must accept as children of God that we carry him with us everywhere. Now, in those times, there was an expectation on how you came into the church. 2 Corinthians 2.15. I want you to listen to this because I think this is particularly important for you today. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And that's why I say we shouldn't just be concerned about our behavior here in the church but rather, what is our behavior like in the day-to-day? -day? What are other people witnessing about us? Because my attitude should be that I am daily presenting myself as that Christ-like fragrance to God. So how are you presenting yourself regularly? Now, we know deep down, we, we know the background of what Hannah was facing. And so we can understand it, the, the manner in which she went to the temple. But here, Eli, he perceived that she was doing something wrong. And so Eli decides, I'm going to confront this woman for the sanctity of my church. 
And I want us to note, he didn't do it to tear Hannah down, but to correct her in a way that brings her closer to God. And I I want you to check this out because you might feel righteous in the act that you're doing as Hannah did, but if you are corrected by a spiritual leader, I think it is important to accept that they are doing it for your benefit. They do it for your reproofing. They do it for building you up. Listen to 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25. It says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Notice the heart of Hannah when Eli approaches him. And consider what our heart should be when we are confronted. You and I should welcome correcting when we need it. We should welcome correcting. And in this case, we know that Hannah didn't necessarily need correcting, and she probably taught Eli something that day. But I want you to think about how Hannah could have let this affect her if she wanted to, right? Because nowadays what would happen is there'd be a spirit of offense immediately. We would shut down and there'd be no opportunity for correction. It's just like, you know what? The church hurt me. I have no business there at that church. Forget the church. I can do this on my own. We say things like that, don't we? We let those kind of things affect us. You and I, if we want to truly walk in righteousness and live by the truth of God, the only thing we should be offended by, because remember, it's about us and God, is our own behavior or whether or not we're corrected in love. But I'd just like to say, for for those that think they can just offer any one correction, if you can't correct someone gently, You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. But can you and I decide that we can welcome others holding us accountable? Now, we've dropped that word in our men's group here recently, this idea of accountability. And I do want to say that accountability is a two-way street. And it should be mutually agreed upon, right? Now, if, if you are in this church and you are a member of this church, when you became a member of this church, you agreed to adhere to the spiritual leadership that is above you. But spiritual leadership, if you've gone through one of our new members' classes recently, you will learn that also, I believe, spiritual leaders should yield to their membership in accordance with Scripture. Okay? So, our correction better line up with the Word of God. Okay? But first and foremost, why we do this is to encourage each other. I get steered the wrong way from time to time. Who's with me? You know, I have some thoughts every now and then where my wife's looking at me like side-eyed, like, what are you thinking? But what we learn in this story is Hannah left the church encouraged by Eli. Listen to verse 17 again. He says, In that case, Eli said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. 
I believe one of the greatest reasons for the church today is to bring encouragement to the followers of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen there? We need it, and we need it weekly. And this issue that we face on a daily basis, you and I face, whether it's work, whether it's what's going on in our culture, whether it's what's going on politically, all those things requires that we be lifted back up, we be encouraged, and focus on God. Keep on going. Here's the other thing, though. It is so important that you aren't always focused on being the one who needs encouragement. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that can be pretty draining. Because I, as a spiritual leader, when I see someone who constantly needs encouragement, and I'm not talking weeks, I'm not talking months, I'm talking years. Years of constantly needing encouragement. And I'm thinking, when are you going to break this cycle? Because at some point, you have to break this cycle and decide, okay, I know who I am in the Lord. Now it is time for me to be an encourager. Imagine if everyone in this room needed encouragement and there was no encouragers. It would be a depressing place to be. And I, as the pastor for one, would be staying home. But just as Eli felt it was his job, he could offer correction and at the same time be able to encourage. He wasn't just caught up in the moment of, oh, I was wrong. I'll back off. He said, oh, well then, go in peace. God be with you. You know, I, I, I think this is something that we do learn in our spiritual maturity. I had to learn how to properly correct, and I had to learn how to be an encourager. Because oftentimes, so, so especially as a pastor, and I know that the other pastors in the room understand this completely, I would be so concerned about my agenda for the day, what I had to do, making sure that parts of my job did not get missed, I often forgot the most important part of the job, love on people. And here's the thing, to express love to someone you don't, don't quite know, can be challenging, but the first way you do that is by being an encourager. Just offering encouragement when you can. And to think that this was all prompted because here Eli, he saw, he witnessed this strange behavior only to discover she was praying. Now this means that how she was praying was not a normal standard or practice at that time. And so it's easy for us to ask, okay, pastor, so, so clearly he didn't like what he saw, and maybe you are learning how to pray, and you might ask the question, what is the correct way to pray then? And i got to ask a serious question for you that you ponder. I'm not going to answer it. Was her prayer an effective prayer? Was her prayer effective? Because at the time there was an expectation on how to pray, 
And we don't exactly find instruction in the Old Testament on how to pray, but it is clear they had their own understanding of what prayer should be like. Because if you look back to verse 13, it says, Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. By this statement, it seems very clear to me that there was an expectation that prayer was audible. And Hannah was praying silently. But we know that God answered and he heard her prayer. God heard her prayer even though it was never audible. Think about that. That should speak to you on how God speaks to you. How he can speak to you. How you can also speak to him. You know, there are times where prayer must be silent. A sniper at war is required to not move a muscle or make a sound. Doesn't stop him from praying. There are times where you might be at work and they limit you from displaying your faith. That doesn't stop you from praying. There are times where your infant is asleep and the slightest noise might wake them up. Doesn't stop you from praying. So some of you might say, well, then how can God hear me? I'd like to start off by saying there is a way God cannot hear you. Listen to John 9.31. This is important. We know that God doesn't listen. Everyone say, doesn't listen. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But he is ready to hear those who worship and do his will. Claim the Lord Jesus Christ over your life. God will hear you. But listen to 1 John 5.15. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, those who are in Christ, listen to this. Since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. He hears us when we make our requests. If you are in Jesus Christ, aren't you so thankful you serve a God that hears you when you speak? There is not an hour that goes by where he's like, uh, no, I'm turned off, can't hear you. No, I'm going home for the evening. God doesn't do that. And we also know that with God, when he speaks, most of the time in my life, God is not audible, but his spirit is communing with my spirit. And as he speaks out, we can commune with him without ever opening our mouth. There are times where not only does God need to hear what we pray, but we also need to, to hear out loud what God says to us sometimes to really wake us up and shake us. There are times when we pray, others need to hear it too. So you can't just say, Pastor, you've convinced me, I only pray quietly now. And next week when Connor does the offering and Kelly calls on him, he's like, no, I'm, I'm praying quietly. <laughs> the largest church in the world is in Seoul, South Korea. 
There are 210,000 people that meet. Can you imagine that? And we know there, there are evangelistic moments in Africa where they've had over 3 million people gather in one location. But regularly there is a church that has over 200,000 people that meet. And I, I know people that have visited that church. And when they pray, everyone in the room prays at the same time. And they all pray audibly. And the sound has been described as deafening. In fact... It is registered on the Richter scale when they pray. Can you guys fathom that? Okay? So, here you have a church that believes in the power of prayer. And I hear their emotion. I can only hear their emotion when they pray, right? Because when you have a whole church praying out loud, you know that people are getting serious in prayer. Now, I have a friend that's a Baptist pastor, and he used to be a Pentecostal. And when talking with him, he's like, you know, Aaron, I believe that in our faith, we shouldn't express emotion. And I don't know about you, but when I read the gospel message, it is emotional, amen? Think about it. To take emotion out of it would basically mean omitting every psalm David ever wrote. Listen to things David said, such as Psalm 139, 2 through 4. He says, you know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. God knows what you're going to say even before you say it. Think about that. That doesn't stop you from needing to speak it out, though. And so it's vital for us to understand that speaking out doesn't always require an audible tongue because there have been times where I've been in such anguish in prayer, the only thing that is coming through are, are groanings that only the Spirit of God can understand. I want to reference that for you out of Romans 8.26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Let me tell you, church, in our New Testament faith, there are times where our words cannot even express what we're feeling or what we want to cry out to God. And so that is when we pray. We can call on the Spirit. We can commune with the Spirit. We can have the Spirit indwelling in us and moving through us that we might commune with God more deeply. Can I get an amen? And Hannah taught us how to display our faith. You know, she could have been embarrassed in the moment. She wasn't. She walked away from that prayer with a different outlook than when she went in prayer. Listen to verse 18. It says, Then she went back and began to eat, and she was no longer sad. This is a woman who wasn't eating for days because she was so tore up over what this other woman had been saying to her because she was barren. 
And so clearly when she went up for prayer, the prayer that she gave, she intended, I'm going to leave all the weight, all the burden of this, this heaviness. I'm going to leave it at the feet of the Lord. And so out of everything we learned here, the greatest thing that we can do is we can go to prayer and we can walk away knowing that if I pour my heart out to God, if I pour everything that is going on in my life, then I can leave believing that God is going to provide the answer. The pain that Hannah carried before no longer affected her. She wouldn't let it affect her. How often do you pick up what you've left at the feet of God? Many come in, they pray. Their words say, God, I believe in your power. I have faith in you. And then they walk away and they pick up the baggage yet again. And they drop it off at someone else's feet. ESPN's calling. I heard that. They pick it up again. They continue on in their pain over something that God has asked you to surrender. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Church, I'm telling you, God wants to be your answer. He wants to be the solution. He wants to be the finality to your problem. And so many of us, what we do is we are so content in carrying around this self-pity that we bring our self-pity into the church and we tell everyone in the building about it. We go to the altar. We say, you need to pray for me. But oh, by the way, I'm so stuck in my self-pity. Here, let me pick that back up again. And I'm going to keep carrying it on. And then I'm going to tell all my work friends tomorrow. And I'm going to tell my relatives, my aunts, my uncles. There's a family reunion next month. I'm going to tell all of them. Come on, who is this affecting? I'm speaking to me right now. Church, there are so many times we don't follow the examples of people like Hannah that said, God, if I truly believe that you are the God of the universe, you are the one who created me, you are the one who hears me when I call out to you, that I'm going to give this to you, and you're going to provide. You're going to be the solution. And she walked away different. Church, when you go to the altar, you must walk away with a changed mindset. I have gone before the God of the universe and I trust him with my problem. When my oldest son was born, I got to tell you, he met milestone after milestone. It was amazing. And I was, I was a proud young dad. And uh, at 18 months, everything changed. And, you know, we were here in Des Moines at the time, and we were going to the doctor, and the doctor just kept on saying, ah, he's a boy, he'll grow out of it. Five years old, and we have issues still, big issues. And we don't have any reasonable answers and we're frustrated and wondering what's going on. And, you know, Josiah didn't get diagnosed with autism until he was six years old. Isaac got diagnosed the same day. And, 
you know, eventually, I, I'm going I'm to tell you, Wendy and I, what we did was we let this affect every part of who we are to the point that we didn't even go out in public because we're just like, people don't understand. They scoff. They don't get it. We don't know how to handle it. Because let me tell you, where Josiah can sit and serve silently today, that's a young man with Tourette's, and he, he makes noises all the time, and so the spotlight was constantly on us. We spent thousands of dollars trying to figure out treatments that would help him. And then eventually what we had to do, we had to place him in God's hands. And say, God, every frustration we have, everything we don't understand, is for you to answer. And since then, we have committed to believing in the Lord's healing. And coincidentally, we walk through it, not, not burdened by it anymore, but instead we celebrate our boys as people and we celebrate what God has done in their lives. But, you know, something significant happened, and I, it's, been, it's been years of us living that way where I just, you know, it's my family, and I love them, and I appreciate everything about them. But I got to tell you, something affected me big time recently. April 2nd, we had an evangelist here. His name's Brian Davis. And Wendy and I are standing together at the altar. And he said, God is telling me. He says, he says, I've never had a message for anyone like this before. He says, God is telling me, give him your wants. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, okay. Like I, I got some aspirations. I'm starting to think of everything in my life. And I'm going to be honest, I was, I was feeling pretty selfish at that moment. My wife walks away. I didn't think anything of it. You know, I've, I've got a job to do. She grabs Josiah. She brings Josiah up in front of Brian and said, here's my want. That's the heart of a mother. You know, you guys know, for those of you that have sat under my ministry for the last three years, you know that I don't talk about a lot of family stuff because I've, I've moved on. And something I don't do often enough. There's a lot of people that are, for whatever reason, are intimidated by this woman. And I'm going to tell you, she has pulled the wool over all of your eyes. It's amazing to me. But our circumstances have made us who we are today. And... Where I know, I am so, I'm so blessed, and I am the leader of my household, and she supports me in being the leader of my household. I also know that's my rock. And you know, you and I, we need to be open To accepting, God, these are my circumstances right now. But you're going to change them. You're going to change them. And I'm going to walk forward in knowing that, God, you have heard my prayer. And 
I got to ask you a serious question today. Can you walk away from your prayer time with a different outlook on your life other than just believing I just made a transaction with God? Because God wants you to be able to move forward in trusting him. But I want you to hear me out on this. Because if you ever come up to the altar and think you've got some sort of bargaining chip with God, or you can make some sort of transaction with God, there is nothing you have to offer God but your life. You're hearing me, church. And so at some point, you and I decide, instead of expecting some transaction, well, God, I will give this up to you as long as you do this for me. You have to decide, I'm moving forward in my faith. I'm moving forward in my faith that God has done something here. Now, it might seem implied without me mentioning it this morning, but Hannah took the steps and became pregnant. She trusted in God. You know, barrenness, it was her issue. And if she wanted to have a child and had the, the, the faith that she was going to become pregnant, there was an important step that she needed to take with her husband, right? And the reasons I mention that is because people are so often unwilling to move forward until God acts. mistake church it's a mistake we must acknowledge that Hannah went forward as if the prayer had already been answered she just had to follow the steps when you commit to pray commit to the answer Start moving forward with God that, that he has already provided the answers. The prayer altar team comes. Because here's the thing. Either he is the God of provision in your life or he's not. And you have to determine that for yourself. I got to tell you, when, I, when Wendy and I went into pastoring, it was 2007 when we went into full-time pastoring. And we had to accept the position without knowing where the necessary income was going to be. We were saying yes to $25,000 a year, and that required us moving, buying a house, family of five at the time. We could have sat and waited. We could have sat and made sure every box was checked before we said yes. But guess what? By that point, God would have chosen someone else. And I believe because we chose to accept and say yes, I know that I can go before God's throne one day. And he won't look at me saying, hey, in this manner, you lacked the faith. I can accept that I had the faith. You see, our prayer life will require we respond in faith. And it starts by stepping out in it. Stepping out in that faith. So to move forward, it starts with going before the Lord. And church, I got to ask you, like Hannah, can you care whether or not you are a spectacle to other people? 
I choose not to care anymore. Wendy and I, we used to care going out in public with, with our boys. We don't care anymore. Hannah, she went to the temple. She didn't care that she appeared drunk to some. She knew why she was there. She didn't care. She went in a manner that was honoring to the Lord. And so, church, today, can you trust God with your problem? Can you take it to Him? Can you say, God, this is yours. I'm laying it at your feet, and I'm going to move forward. I ask everyone in the church to stand up right now. And if that's you and you say, Pastor, I've, I've, got, I've got a couple 45-pound plates I've been carrying. And I need to drop those off today. I'm telling you, you can just come and kneel at this altar if you want. You could find someone to pray with that can agree with you in prayer and maybe encourage you. But it's time. It's time to shed that for good. Amen? Let's shed that today, will we? I'm going to pray. Father God, I just thank you for each and every person that's here. And God, as we respond in faith, Lord, I believe that you are going to do a great work where we shed off this burden and we declare, God, you are going to provide the answer. That we can walk away today saying, Lord, I am going out in faith. You are the God of the universe. You are the God that hears my request. I don't need to go before anyone else. Lord, you've heard me. And God, may there be freedom in the house of the Lord today on those who have come believing that, God, you are the solution. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, if that's you today, if you want to let go of some burdens, will you come? Now is your time.